This morning, God's Word comes to us from Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55, and we're going to be reading just the first seven verses of this chapter. Isaiah 55, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's word. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back section of the Trinity Psalter hymnal, to page 884 in the back. This is the Heidelberg Catechism, and this morning we'll read from Lord's Day 28. Lord's Day 28. As we noted, the Catechism spends a lot of time talking about the sacraments, and there are some of the longest questions and answers in this section. So I will read for you today questions 75 through 77. How does the Holy Supper remind and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his benefits? The answer, in this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup in remembrance of him. With this command come these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me, and the cup shared with me, so surely his body was offered and broken for me, and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of him who serves, and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord, given me as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life, with his crucified body and poured out blood. Question 76, what does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his poured out blood? It means to accept with a believing heart 
the entire suffering and death of Christ, and in this way to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But it means more. Through the Holy Spirit, who lives both in Christ and in us, we are united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so, although he is in heaven and we are on earth, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. And we forever live on and are governed by one spirit, as the members of our body are by one soul. And then question 77. Where does Christ promise to nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood as surely as they eat this broken bread and drink this cup? In the institution of the Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this and as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This promise is repeated by Paul in these words. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Well, we continue this morning our study of the sacraments in the church. And I mentioned last time in God's providence, as we talked about the sacrament of baptism, and particularly infant baptism, we had a baptism that morning. Once again, God has been good to us. While we turn now our attention to the Lord's Supper, we will this morning celebrate the Lord's Supper. And there is certainly a connection between the sacrament of baptism and the sacrament of the supper. Uh, baptism is that entry right into the people of God. The Lord's Supper is that remaining continuing right as the people of God. Baptism, a picture of our adoption as sons and daughters. The Lord's Supper, a picture of our growth in faith as sons and daughters. Baptism is a passive sign, that which we receive. Lord's Supper is an active sign. We take and we eat. We take and we drink. Baptism receives the promises. The Lord's Supper declares the promises. We proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. Both baptism and the Lord's Supper reminders of God's goodness to us, and we get to celebrate that again this morning. As we do so, we want to do so thoughtfully. We want to do so mindful of what God himself desires to teach us in the supper. So this morning we will look at the catechism and at these words from Isaiah 55 as we talk about the meaning of the Lord's Supper. The first thing we have to notice is that we come to the table of the Lord not simply because we think it's a good thing. We come to the Lord's table 
because God has commanded us to come to the table. That's how Lord's Day 28 begins. How does the Holy Supper remind and assure you of Christ's sacrifice? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this bread and drink this cup. With this command comes promises. Really, for the believer who has submitted himself to the yoke of Jesus Christ, coming to the table is not an option. It is part of our faithful obedience that we give to God our Lord and our Savior. Notice how Isaiah 55 begins. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. That come is not merely an invitation. It is also an expectation. You are to come. You are to come to the table of the Lord. Even Jesus Christ, as he instituted the supper, he didn't say to his disciples, if you feel like it, take. If you feel like it, drink. He said, take. Take this. Drink. Drink this. More than simply an invitation, it is an expectation that those who are believers will desire to come to the table of the Lord. We know that left to ourselves, we, we might choose not to come. If it was left to me, knowing the supper is for my spiritual life, I might say, you know what? Um, I'm feeling pretty good in my spiritual life today. I don't think I have to come. It, it's very similar to our physical life. Some of you do regular conditional, physical conditioning. And it's easy to say, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good today. I can skip my conditioning drills. And the next day we say, I'm still feeling pretty good. I can skip my conditioning. But pretty soon, we say, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. All of a sudden, we're not feeling very well. Christ commands us to come regularly, to come and be strengthened. Just like physical food strengthens us, the supper strengthens us spiritually. The command to regularly come to the table in obedience to God. Oh, we know, we know, and our form reminds us, there are times when we should not come, times we are warned not to come. If we find ourselves living in an unreconciled relationship with someone else in the body of believers, we are warned not to come. We have to understand that properly. We don't use that warning if we are in an unreconciled uh, condition, as an excuse to stay away from the supper. Rather, we use that warning as a reason to reconcile so that we can come to the table. The Lord's Supper is that ongoing reminder we are to live in a reconciled condition with those around us. And rather than stay away, we say, no, I, I, I desire to obey Christ's command. I want to come to the table. And so we seek out reconciliation with our family, with our friends, with those around us. We're commanded by God to come to the table. And as we are commanded to come, we are commanded also to remember. To remember. Look at verse 3. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear 
that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. We are called to come and to remember, to remember God's covenant promises that he will be a God to us and he will be a God to all of his people as he was to his servant David. Remember my everlasting covenant, my sure, steadfast love for David. David, that one chosen by God to lead God's people, to be the king over Israel. And yet we know that David, David was only a picture, a pointer, looking forward to a greater king, one who would truly lead all of God's people. David points us forward to Jesus Christ, the true King of the church. And we remember Him as we come to the table. We remember Jesus Christ. We remember what He did for us. How He offered up His body and blood that we might be released from our sins. The, the, the supper speaks the words of the gospel. That for all who will humble themselves, for all who will confess their sins, Jesus Christ is, is the perfect Savior, the complete Savior. He is the one who calls us once again to recognize our sinfulness, to look away from ourselves and to gaze upon Him, that greater Son of David, that true King, that true leader and commander of the people of God. We're called to come and we're called to remember. As we do those things, we are in a real but mystical way united with Christ. We have communion with Him. We share in Christ, first of all, we share in Christ's death. Again from question 75, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup shared with me, so surely his body was offered and broken for me and his blood poured out on the cross. We are in communion with Christ in his death, united with him, in that, in that our sins were laid upon him. And he took those sins all the way to the cross. And he took those sins down into the grave and they were buried with him. Never to rise again. Christ would rise, but our sins left buried. We are united to Christ in his death in that we are forgiven of what we have done. And, and, and this, is, this is for you. To come to the table is a very intimate and personal thing to do. Oh, we do it corporately. But it is a supper for you. We each take and eat. We each take and drink. Our sins are removed. Look at what, the, what Isaiah says in verse 7. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Abundantly pardon. All of our sins 
taken away. All of our ill-spoken words, all of our deceitful thoughts, every, every evil action, all of our sins, pardoned because we are united to Christ in His death. He will abundantly pardon. God doesn't say, I'll forgive this, 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 this sin, but not those sins. In Jesus Christ, we are washed wholly and completely. All of our sins forgiven. United with Him in His death and united with Him in His life. And that's the second promise talked about in question 75. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of him who serves and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord given to me as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with his crucified body and poured out blood. He nourishes us. He refreshes us for eternal life. That's the picture in the supper united to Christ in his life as well. Children, we use bread and we use wine. Why is that? Because bread and wine are pictures of nourishment, of being strengthened, of being revived, of being built up. That's what Christ does. We are strengthened spiritually as we come to the supper. Again, from our text, we read, Incline your ear, come to me, that your soul may live. This is bread and wine. This is strengthening for our life, our eternal life. God encourages us spiritually. As surely as we can take from the hand of Him who serves the bread and the wine, so surely Christ Himself nourishes and refreshes me by the power of His Spirit unto life eternal. It is spiritual food. Now to be sure, there is a mystery in the sacrament. For the bread and the wine remain bread and wine. They don't change into anything else. And yet, yet, as I take them, I'm spiritually nourished by Christ Himself. And while we cannot explain that mystery, we embrace the mystery as a gift from God being united with Christ in his life, being strengthened, being encouraged, and not with meager food, but the finest of foods. Look at verse 2. Listen diligently to me. Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. This morning we have the richest of feasts set before us as we take the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the finest of foods, the finest of wines, the richest feast we could imagine because we are united to Christ in His life. The meaning of the Lord's Supper speaks to us about what the Supper does. It is that which is given to us by command of God. It is that which allows us to have communion with Christ. But in the supper, we also say something. We make a confession about ourselves. The first thing we confess as we come to the table is we confess our own sinfulness. 
Question 76. What does it mean to eat this body and blood? It means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ and in this way to receive forgiveness of sins. To come to the table is to acknowledge, I need my sins forgiven. And it is to acknowledge, there is nothing I can do about that. I cannot do anything on my own to deal with the problem of my sin. Look how Isaiah begins. Verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why does he say, he who has no money, come buy without money, without price? Because there is nothing we could offer. There's nothing we could give that would take away the sins we have committed. We are completely bankrupt. No money. Nothing to give. God comes graciously and gives us this food and drink which we have without money and without price. To come to the table is to acknowledge our own sinfulness. It is to acknowledge our own weakness. And I I say that because people have said to me, you know, I know we have the Lord's Supper coming up, but I just feel too weak to come to the table right now. The table is not only for those who are strongly walking with the Lord. It is for those who are weak. When is it that we need to be strengthened? When we are feeling physically weak, we need to eat. If we are feeling spiritually weak, we need to eat. If you are here this morning and saying, I'm not sure if I should take the supper, I just feel so weak in my faith right now, this is exactly where you should be. And this is exactly what you should be doing. To be strengthened through the power of the Holy Spirit with the body and blood of Christ. Yes, we are sinners. Yes, we are weak. But when we are weak, that is the time to come and to be strengthened. We recognize our sinfulness. We recognize our weakness. But also in the supper, we express our desire. Our desire to leave that sinful, weak condition. Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The supper expresses our desire. We want to be strengthened. We want to grow in our faith. We want to leave walking in the paths of sin, even those besetting sins. We want to walk in the path of righteousness. And to do that, although we are so weak, we receive our strength from God by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a declaration. We desire 
to be strong in the Lord. We desire to walk in the way of godliness so that we might more faithfully serve our God. We don't come to the supper to be strengthened and then say, well, I guess I'm stronger now. We come to be strengthened that we might serve our God and serve others. That God might use this table today to prepare us for the week to come, to prepare us for the challenges that might face us, to prepare us to minister to those who may be weak or hurting. We come to be strengthened that we might be of service to the God who strengthens us. It's a wonderful thing to come to the table of the Lord. God himself calls us. God himself commands us. That for all those who have confessed Jesus Christ and submitted to his rule, to come and to recognize, recognize our union with him in his death and in his life, recognize our sin and our weakness, but look past those to the perfection to the strength of Jesus Christ to come to the table and receive this glorious gift that God might strengthen us and then this coming week might use us for his honor and for his glory. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank and praise you for the glorious gift of the sacraments visible signs and seals, reminders of your promises to us. Thank you for the sacrament of Holy Communion. Thank you for what it speaks to us, what it teaches us, and how you strengthen us through it. Lord God, may we today rejoice in this glorious gift and leave praising you for your goodness to us today and every day. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.